You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 295. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this podcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra presence to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic is the home of superfood elixirs that have superfoods built into things like tea mixes or coffee mixes. In particular, I love the chaga mixed into the mocha mix. It's the green box that they create. It has chaga mushrooms built into this mocha that is 25 calories. You just pour it into hot water and you're good to go. What I love about this mocha and why I drink two to four of them a day when I have the product in hand is because it's got half the caffeine of regular coffee. So for me, that just means I pretty much drink twice as much because of that with no jitters, no crash, and no stomach issues. So unlike regular espresso, which is not my preference, this is eliminating all the aspects I don't like about traditional espresso and leaves me with a delicious, like I said, 25 calorie drink to drink all throughout my mornings. If you'd like to give it a shot or try any of their other superfood elixirs, you can go over to foursigmatic.com slash lively. And then if you want to actually place a purchase, use the code lively to get 15% off your order. I hope you love it as much as I do. Now let's move on. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. This is an amazing day to connect with you. I want to first also thank Joe and Natalie, who are on our team lively, for putting this together pretty last minute because I have been going through one thing after another in the last week, trying to get my feet on the ground and things sorted out here in Detroit. I came from Sydney last week, closed on my house literally one week ago today. Today is Wednesday as I'm recording this introduction for you. So it has been one thing after another. Today will actually be my first evening sleeping on an air mattress in my own apartment. And yeah, things are just slowly starting to unfold. The climate change, the weather change, the culture change, there's been a lot of transitions and things have been moving a little slower than I expected in terms of getting things sorted out here. So anyways, wanna thank the team for their patience with me. And also I wanna do an episode, I believe next week for you to kind of catch you up on what's been going on in the last few weeks for me and how we've been using aspects of season five in this period with my mind and the transitions and also aspects of season four law of attraction point of view. The things that I continue to do day in, day out, and also the aspects of season four law of attraction point of view that I've kind of let go of in a big way as well. I thought that'd be an interesting way to catch you up and also give you some insights that I've been finding to work out my life in a way that I hope would benefit you as well. So now let's talk about today's client session in an interesting sign or flow of events. It's a Thanksgiving and in America, Thanksgiving is often a time where we celebrate and give Thanksgiving and also have really big meals. And so interestingly enough, this wasn't planned directly, but it turns out that this client session with a working mom named Sarah O'Brien, who's a really lovely person, and I touch on a subject we haven't had in other client sessions as in depth, which is all around confidence and weight. So in the holiday season, especially in America, this becomes something that people think about in the new year, but here we're gonna talk about it right up front before the holiday season even begins. So you can actually choose to eat intuitively all the weeks leading up to the new year. So it's not just about waiting for the clock to tick or the ball to drop or the calendar to turn a page for you to start listening and tuning in inside. So this is gonna be a powerful dive for anyone who's struggling with intuitive eating or wants to feel peace in their body. In addition, we're gonna talk about parental criticism and why it's sometimes hard for the mind to even choose to stand out in a good way. So it's not always that we always feel 
you know, ashamed or that we don't feel good enough, sometimes the idea of actually transforming ourselves in a way that would really be powerful and positive can also be scary for the mind. So we'll discuss all of those aspects and many more. Let's go to the show. How can we work together and help you in the best and most ultimate way? So I've only written to my intuition once. And I was hoping maybe you could help me expand on what I got from it. Absolutely. That's exactly what we're going to do today. So good. I'm glad you're already on board. So how did your first experience go by writing to your intuition on your own? It was good, but I like wish I had asked it more or acted on what it asked me, or I wish I would have taken it to the next level. Okay. Well, we're definitely 100% going to do that right now. But let's kind of rehash a little just to, for anyone else that might be listening to this in the future also. So what caused you to want to write to your intuition in the first place? Well, I have been listening to your show and I was just feeling like a little uncertain about why was I doing, you know, or not doing certain things. And so I was like, you know what, maybe I should do what Jess talks about and finally write to my intuition. And how did it go as you were listening? It was good. It was helpful and it was like clearing kind of. Clearing? What did it clear out? That's a great word. Can I tell you what I wrote and what it said? Oh, beautiful. Okay, yeah, read it. Okay. I asked, why do I want to lose my job or have health issues before making the changes I want to make? And it said, because you want to have a good reason to make them. You don't want to be different than anyone else. So I said, why don't I have the confidence to be different? And it said, that I don't know. Oh, but first of all, I can tell you, your first two questions are brilliant. Very good. You're like an innate question asker, which is actually the biggest trait you as the mind can have. The best trait you can have is asking good questions because the answers are there for you to receive. So you don't have to ever think up those answers, but you are in charge of asking the questions. So already I'm loving it, but you heard, I don't know. What did you write down after you heard, I don't know? So when I heard that, I was like, okay, great. This is not helpful. But then... I said, how can I build confidence to make the choices I want to make? And it said, by doing the things you want to do. And then any other replies? Any more questions? That's where it ended. Okay. Now that's where you chose to end. That's like a lot of powerful information and a very short, succinct few questions. But what did you take away from that when you were done? I was kind of like, okay, well, yeah, I just need to go do these things that I'm, you know, afraid or not doing for whatever reason. Did you go do them? Sometimes I do them. And sometimes I think it's a confidence thing. I'm like, oh, you know, like it said, like, I don't want to be different. So I don't want to do these things. Yeah, absolutely. Standing out can be hard to do. To do something outside of mass consciousness and the patterns we've created within our own realities are difficult. Not that they're ultimately difficult, just like the truth is always pretty simple <laughs> in terms of truth being like what we can do next. It's very simple. Doesn't mean it's easy to do. And this is one of those things. It's very simple, but not always very easy to do. Not because it's actually hard, but because the mind is conditioned into certain patterns it's used to. Right. So it's simple direction. But the hard part is in the momentum and patterning that we have going on that's so familiar to one way of being, feeling, or thinking, and then behaving. Okay. Now, first of all, I already give you props for asking two really great killer questions at the start, but also in terms of feedback and where to improve. 
I'm starting to say this, I'm finding myself in the coaching calls with people is to say, most people wanna walk away from the letter, the writing, when it's time to ask 10 more questions. Already, I'm pretty impressed with the caliber and the way that you ask those questions. Say your answer to the first question and your question that you followed up with. Say those again. Why do I want to lose my job or have health issues before making the changes I want to make? And it said, because you want to have a good reason to make them. You don't want to be different than everyone else. And then what was your reply? So I said, why don't I have the confidence to be different? There you go. So you looked at the answer and you responded to the answer that you got. Do you see that? Yes. So that's very good because most people stay like your questions are at the level of a problem in your life. Your answers you're getting are not at the level of the problem. So if you keep rehashing basically the same without carrying forward, right? Without asking more about the answer, the level of the solution answer, you're just going to keep getting kind of to the same level one instead of getting, not levels, but like, you know what I mean? To the plateau number two, by asking a question that builds on the answer you received, you're going further than your mind knew to even understand when it was in the situation it was in in the first place. Does that make sense? Yeah. So really good job. But the room for improvement is that you could have asked a billion other questions, at least 10, we won't won't put the billion on you, but you could have at least asked 10 more questions and gotten far more information because what seems to be sticking out for you, and you threw the word confidence in there, like I don't believe any answers said confident, did they? You put that one in there in that second follow-up question? Yes. Okay, so that's a theme that surfaced for your mind, the mind in you, And that could be something you could ask your inner being a lot about. And maybe it has a different perception of confidence than your mind has, the mind in you. So let us just kind of continue on. So basically, give me a little background so I can act as your ego, the egoic mind in you. It's not that personalized. I don't like to say yours. You'll catch me correcting myself if I slip up and say that. But just give me a little bit of feedback about where the mind in you is so that I can play a really good character being the mind in you. And you can stay in listening mode. Okay. I guess some things I've been feeling like not having as much confidence has been like a theme. I don't know for a long time, probably like not wanting to be different or like somebody notice, you know, something about me. And then, like, so I have these things, like, I want to, you know, I wish I was more active or ate, like, more intuitively, like, instead of just mindlessly eating or, like, I don't put any effort into, like, doing my hair or makeup or, um, like, wearing certain clothes. And so sometimes I'm like, why aren't I doing these things that I think will help me to feel better, like, from the inside, like the external, you know, like that internal external relationship between like feeling good. And if I feel good, then I'll have more confidence. But it's like this cycle where I'm not doing these things. Like this is kind of an old law of attraction season four thing, right? So if you feel a certain way, then you act in ways that support that behavior. And so it's the cycle right now that's at the level of the problem that you don't want to stay at. And so you're looking to understand. And it's really hard to have the energy or motivation to change your actions when your thoughts and your feelings don't relate. But once you have that inner work done, the outside falls into place. As Eckhart says, once you get the inside right, the outside falls into place. Once we do this work, 
you can force yourself with discipline to do your hair. You can force yourself out of fear of judgment of others to do a lot of stuff. But the innate joy in doing those things out of fear is not going to be there. It's going to be out of obligation and shoulds. So you're not getting there from the obligations and shoulds, which is good, but you're also not getting there from an innate place within yourself right now either. Is that seeming true? Right. So then I'm like, well, maybe this isn't what I really want to do. You know, maybe I really don't want to spend my time doing my hair. Yeah, well, this is what we're going to find out, but we're going to find out from a place that's feeling better than your inner being, well, than your awareness right now, right? Because really what you want to do is feel better. And the beautiful thing is this inner voice feels better. <laughs> Even though your mind, the mind in you is maybe not at that frequency, the inner voice is. So we're going to find out whether your inner voice wants to do its hair or not. Does that make sense? Yeah. Can I also tell you one other thing? Yeah. I have like guilt about like quote unquote success or perfection, like being perceived as successful or perfect. I think that plays into it also. This is so great. This is going to be something I think a lot of people can relate to. So what you're saying is you have a lot of patterning and conditioning that the mind has adopted. And guess what? You didn't come into this earth necessarily holding on to all of these, but you may have been exposed to them from a very young age. Right. So it's not that necessarily that your deepest part of yourself is holding on to this necessarily, but we're going to find out what's true for you. So let's get started. You're, this is great. We're just going to have a probably, we'll see how it unfolds, but possibly a really long dialogue. And this is going to be really fun and a really great treat for you. It's kind of like a massage for the mind where all I'm asking you to do is put Sarah in the corner, the mind that in the persona you identify with as Sarah. I'll ask her to come back in the conversation every now and then, and I'll try to make that clear when I want to hear from her. But for right now, she gets to relax at the spa. And we're going to put you as the awareness that you are. We're going to think of you kind of like a bobblehead that has a spring on your neck that can bobble up into the mind and down into the well of wisdom below. Are you more of a heart or a gut feeler? Heart for positive things and gut for negative things. Okay, so then we'll, what we want to do is direct your attention in your mind's eye, your awareness, bobble it down more to your chest. But if it happens to come from your gut, don't like avoid any wisdom coming from that place. Either way, you're going to bobble your head down, not literally your physical head, but your awareness down. And you're going to listen and receive the answers just like you did on paper. But now you have the gift of me being the question asker. And trust me, I'm a really good ego. I'm a really good mind. I've had a lot of practice at it. And that being like kind of a joke, but really true, right? Like we have these voices and thoughts and they're not my thoughts and my voices aren't usually that different than yours or anyone else's. This is why I'm depersonifying the mind and saying, you know, it's just the mind doing its thing, just like the heart. You know, we each have an individual heart, but they do very similar functions, right? We think that these minds are so personal, <laughs> but they're not quite as personalized as we like to identify them as. So I'm gonna play that role for you and you're just gonna tell me directly what you feel, hear, or experience, but no dialogue, no interpretation, no Sarah whatsoever, just like you wrote down the answers. I know you can do this because you already showed me two or three great answers that you received. So you're just gonna just tell me those words and don't say anything else. And just let me ask the next question, okay? Okay. All right, so we're gonna start with, why don't I do things to feel better? Because you're scared. 
Oh, so good. You're so good at this. My inner voice is very similar to yours. It tells me if I say like, why am I upset about X, Y, or Z? It's usually because you're scared or you're worried or upset. Okay. This is the next question whenever you get something like this, guys, and you, Sarah. When you get an emotion, because you're scared or you're worried, right? You then ask why. Your mind thinks you know why, but let's find out. Why am I scared? Because you don't want to draw attention to yourself. Are those exactly the words you heard? I can't tell. <laughs> okay, let's start it again. I just want you to tap back in. I'm not saying that those aren't right, but I want to make sure we get a really strong connection first. So let me go with the first question, and let me expect that you're going to hear that same. I'm not saying you won't hear the same answer, okay? So I don't question that the scared answer is right. I just want you to hear that voice again so you can hear it again in the next response. So why don't I do things to feel better? Because you don't think you deserve it. That was a question, the way you said it. What did you hear? Yeah, I don't know if that's what it's saying. Well, did you hear because you're scared? It didn't show up that way again? I just like hear like because. I just hear because and then it's like I don't hear more. Okay. Well, beautiful. But then Sarah, you know what the right answer was to tell me? Just because. The word because. That's it. I don't need you to be right. I just need you to be authentically honest with what you're hearing. Because you making it up is getting me nowhere with you. It will be like a terrible waste of time and money to do it any other way than to be totally honest because then we're mimicking the, the voice versus actually speaking to it. And that just means that we're pretending that we're making a play up that doesn't really exist. So let's go again. Why don't I do things to feel better? Because. Because why? Because you aren't sure how. I'm not sure how. Yeah, that's what it said. I'm just reiterating too. I'm just making sure because sometimes when you go, I don't know if I heard from it. Then you go, did I hear from it? <laughs> it's so funny, right? People think, I don't know if I heard. And then they walk away. Again, 10 more questions. Did I hear that from the right place? Right? We don't even have the courage to ask that follow-up question, which is so funny, but we don't have to fear this voice. Okay. So is that true that I don't know how? Yes. What do you know is true in her voice? Follow your heart. What does my heart care about feeling better? Or what does my heart want to do to feel better? Do the things that make you happy. What makes me happy? Listen for the answers. Family, friends. Is that what you're hearing? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not about doing my hair? No. Is it about eating more intuitively? No. Is it about hair and makeup? No. Is it about being active? Yes. What activities should I do that make me happy? Listen for the answer here. Don't make it up. Play with your kids. You mean it's not about working out and doing hit exercises on YouTube? No. It's not about going to a gym and working out really hard and sweating till my face falls off? No. It's not about doing hot yoga for 90 minutes a day, every day of the week? No. It's not about anything I've ever seen on Instagram? No. It's just about playing with my kids? And being with them. Is that all I'm really, really ultimately wanting right now? Yes. Why am I afraid to admit that to myself? I don't know. <laughs> Is that what you heard? Yes. What would you want me to know about my reality right now? Inner voice is answering this. It's perfect the way it is. Is it always perfect? Yes. Is it ever not working out for me? No. So it's always working out for me? Yes. And you always love me no matter what my makeup looks like, no matter how active I am or how unintuitively I'm eating. Yes. You never stop loving me. No. Why? 
I'll always love you. Why will you always love me? Because you're me. Hmm. How do you feel, Sarah? I don't know. I guess those are the answers that I knew. Of course you did, because it's a part of you. But let's go back down. Good job. All right, go back down in. Why have I ignored those answers? If I already knew them, why have I been ignoring them? Because. Because why? Just listen for what comes. Because you felt like you should be doing these things. But are they true? Are they truly what I should be doing? No. Does it matter if I do them? No. Can I do them if I ever feel like it? Of course. But they don't really matter. It's more about my family and friends and playing with my kids. Yes, always. What else do you want me to know or realize right now? You are perfect and you are loved. I am perfect, but I'm most afraid of being perfect. I don't want anyone to think I'm perfect. Why am I afraid for people to think I'm perfect? Because you don't want them to know you're not. Am I perfect? No one is perfect. But you just said I was perfect in the earlier answer. How is that possible? If no one's perfect, how did you say I'm perfect? That's a good question. How can both be true? Because they are. That we're perfect by being imperfect? Yes. So what you're saying, inner voice, if I hear you right, is that we're imperfect, but you still feel that I'm perfect in my imperfections. Yes. Why does the mind forget that sometimes? Because it doesn't know this. Why doesn't the mind know this? This would be a hell of a lot easier to live this life if my mind realized this. Because it's not sure. What is it not sure of? Why? Why what? What is it unsure of? It's not sure why we can be both. Yeah. Does it need to know why we can be both? No. And I can still know this even though my mind doesn't understand it? Yes, of course. How can I do that? How can I remember something and know something that my mind doesn't know? Just listen. To what? To me. How do you feel, Sarah? That makes sense. That you can hold two different knowings, one from the head and one from down here in your heart, and all you have to do is listen to both and recognize that you can hear both and choose between them. Yeah. All right, let's go back in. You're doing great. All right, what about this whole confidence story? My mind is telling this whole story around confidence. It's not really making me feel very peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> That's a funny inner voice. Yeah, we all realize this. This is really clear now. <laughs> and I know that you know this more than anyone inner voice. How can my mind see confidence more accurately? By doing the things you want to do. Gosh, is this really all that I have to do is just do the things I want to do? Yeah. Is this about learning and lessons? No. What is it about? Being happy. That's it? This whole friggin' thing? There's no levels to pass? There's no tests to take? It's just about being happy? Yeah, that's all there ever is. It's not about working out at the gym. It's not about eating perfectly <laughs> all the time. It's not about hair and makeup? No, never. It's not about being noticed? It's not about the success or the guilt around it? No. What does success mean to you, inner voice? Waking up and playing. Waking up in the day and playing, that's success. Yeah. Why is that so hard for so many minds to accept? Because it thinks we need to do more. Why? Because it's what we're told. Yeah, but is it true? No. How can we get out of this mess? Do the things you want to do. 
That's it. Are you ever going to tell me anything else other than do the things I want to do? Probably not. <laughs> your voice is funny. I like it. Thank you so much, Inner Voice. You're doing a great job. So there's really nothing more that we need to understand. What about her job? What about Sarah's job? It can be stressful. Is that okay? Yeah, a little bit. Are you, Inner Voice, okay with her job right now? Yeah. Should she leave it? Not right now. Will you tell her when it's time? I will. How will you know when it's time for her to leave? I'll know. And that's it? Yep. There's no rationalization. There's no thing you're waiting for. The time will be right. There's nothing logical about this. It's just about knowing. Yep, it always is. <laughs> How do you feel, Sarah? You're doing a great job. Really, really good job. Thanks. Good. How do you feel? You don't, you don't even have, like, we're done now. We could just walk away. No, I'm kidding. But you know what I mean? Look at that. Look at how many hours we could have spent discussing your life story versus that. Yeah. And these are things that I know and that I've heard before. Like, I've wondered about my job. Like, oh, should I do this path or that path? And I keep telling myself, you'll know. Like, it will present itself. I, which I think I learned from your show and from listening, you know, that, not to force it, to let it be what it's going to be. I always like to say, may it be abundantly clear. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing this thing until you make it abundantly clear it's time to do something else. And then I just trust. Yeah. And that's what yours said. And it really is really like, it cut through all the crap. Like you gave us like 32 subjects, not really, but you gave us like four or five subjects we could have gone down for a really long time if we were using the mind alone. But instead it said, none of it matters. Just play with your kids and have fun. Yeah. Like nothing in your life matters <laughs> except for having fun with your kids. How does that feel? That that gets to be the life you live and there's nothing more about it. That's all I want. Here's a question. Let's go down in there. Inner voice, if that's all I want, why have I not been listening to that truth before? Because you don't think you should. Can I let go of the should that's telling me the opposite? I hope so. How? How can you help me let it go? By doing the things you want to do. This stupid thing. <laughs> I know, right? You know what mine tells me over and over again, like a broken record? You do not need to effort or strive at this and all is well. You do not need to effort or strive at this and all is well. It's like to the point where my human has gone like berserk, like going, what do I do then? <laughs> like, If I'm not efforting or striving at anything, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so inner voice, let's ask. Okay. So what do I do? <laughs> Just do the things you want to do. That's it? That's it. What if I get bored? You'll never get bored. Why would I not get bored? Because you're doing the things you want to do. What if I run out of things I want to do? There's never enough. Really? So you're always going to help me see what more I want to do? Of course. So I don't even need to worry about running out of things. Right now, it's just it's about playing with my kids. No, never. And eventually, I might want to play with my hair and makeup, but that would just be for fun, too. Probably not. <laughs> Why would that not become a thing I'd want to do? Because it doesn't bring you joy. <laughs> Well, let's cross that off the list. What about activity? Will I ever want to like, I don't know, be more active in a way? Yeah, you miss that. Okay. How playing with my family brings me real joy? Go for hikes in nature. But it's not about YouTube or the gym or any of these other sweaty activities. No. Will I be healthy if I allow myself this lifestyle? Yes. Will I be okay? Yes. What about eating? 
let's like look at this whole eating thing. What about when I'm eating mindlessly? That's not good. Okay. How can I do that differently? By eating what you know you should. What should I eat that I know I should eat? Apples, it said. You know what? Mine said the same thing. And recently I found the medical medium who is a guy that talks with spirit. So go look that up if that sounds interesting. If not, skip over that entirely. But he talks about the power, especially for women, that fruit's one of the most powerful foods that you can eat for your hormone health. And well, not just like your hormone health, but things that affect the immunity. The immune system is really benefited by this. And so viruses and bacteria that are apparently really can negatively affect the well-being of a lot of women health issues has to do with fruit. In my inner voice, it told me to eat more fruit and apples and pears months before I found the medical medium. So I was quite honestly shocked when I got like the same answer. Let's ask, why should I eat more apples? Because they're good for you. Are there any other foods I could add more to as well? Fruits and vegetables always. Are there any other ones that would benefit me right now besides apples specifically? Bananas. How many per day? Two. Like one of each? I think so. Yeah. How does that feel, Sarah? I guess I should be eating these things more. Can I ask more questions like this to you in her voice? I'd love to. Is there anything I could ask that would be too specific for you? No. Is there anything you don't know the answer to? No. Will you ever tell me the future? No. Why not? Because it's unknown. Are you scared about that fact that it's unknown? I'm not, but she is. Why is she scared of the unknown? Because it's scary. Why is it scary to the mind? Because we don't know what's going to happen. But why is the mind scared about that and you're not? Because I know. You know what's going to happen? I know it will be okay. It'll always be okay? Yes. Has it always been okay? Yes. What if something bad happens to Sarah in a way that her mind can't accept? She'll be okay. Even if something bad happens to her? Yes. What if something bad happens to her family members? This is the greatest fear. How can you see peace while she's fearing this? Because I know she'll be okay. Will the kids or the family member be okay too? Yes. If something, can something bad ever happen to anyone Sarah loves? Yes. What would happen then? They'll be okay. <laughs> so even if something perceived bad happens, they're still okay? Yes, always. Everyone that she knows is going to die eventually. So how can it be okay if they're all going to die? She fears this. Are you afraid of this? No. Why not? Because they'll be okay. Even when they die? Yes. Is Sarah going to be okay when she dies? She will. Will she ever not exist? No. She'll always exist? Yes. Will her family members always exist? Yes. Always? Yes. Even if they die in some horrible early way? Yes. That has nothing to do with whether they exist. They're always with us. Can she have more peace in her life? Yes. How? By knowing it's going to be okay. This is a really hard thing for the mind to accept because it thinks up all these scary thoughts and then it thinks it'd be not okay. How does the mind keep remembering it's going to be okay? I know. So it's not about her paying attention to the mind. It's about her paying attention down here? Yes. Is it about fixing her mind? No. What is it about? What can we do with the mind if it's never going to get fixed and this is never really necessarily going to change? How can she live with more peace while the mind's still freaking out? Listen to me. 
How do you feel, Sarah? I have tears. Like, this is my greatest fear, that something is going to happen and that my quote-unquote perfect life, which is not perfect, will be destroyed. But I know that I will be okay. I know that everyone is okay. How does it feel to know and have felt that within yourself? Like, no one gave you those answers. No one else outside of you. It's peaceful. Is the mind in you still scared? I think it always will be. But now how do you feel about dealing with the mind that may always be scared? I know not to listen to it. Yeah. Or you can like hear it out. It's just a scared friend. Right. It's trying to help you. It's like, how old are your children? Three and a half and almost one. Okay. Imagine the three and a half year old trying to take care of you. Like try and imagine, is it a boy or a girl? A boy and then a girl. Okay. Imagine the little boy trying to be your dad. Make sure you're safe. Make sure you go to school okay, (laughs) even though you don't need to. Like, try to pack your lunches. Like, how good would that little boy be at being your dad? Not very good. But does he love you a lot? Yes, and he would try. Yeah. That's like we're letting this organ inside of us (laughs) that has, like, a certain amount of capabilities. The three-year-old, you know, I didn't ask about the one-year-old. I asked about the three-and-a-half-year-old. Like, that child has some ability to do some things but isn't ultimately capable of being the dad that would be really the wisest, best steward for you at this phase of your life, right? Right. The mind is very similar. I like to, at least it helps me to think of the mind as kind of similar to that. It's trying its best, but it's really incapable of doing the ultimate job it's trying to do, which is to keep you safe. And it's like this other voice is actually the wise. Like, would you rather have your parent be this wise voice inside of you that's giving you total freedom and just telling you to have fun and go do everything because you're in charge? Yeah. Would you rather have that inner voice be your parent than the child? Yes. And how would your child, if he was running your life and he didn't like how you did something, how would he react if he got upset about how you did something? Yeah, I'm trying to think. He'd say, no, mommy, don't do that. Would he have like a meltdown? Maybe. Maybe. Like, that's kind of like the mind. Yeah. It's having a meltdown. Like, you're not eating mindful enough. You're not being active enough. You're not doing your hair and makeup. And God knows if you did all these things, you'd be happier and you'd feel better. And your inner voice said you need to do none of those things because they don't really make you happy except for the hikes in nature with the kids and eating apples. Right. How do you feel around the concept of success and guilt around that? I'm like kind of maybe curious about going down that road. And I do like when it said like waking up, I have said before, like there is no definition of success. Success to some people is waking up in the morning. We define our success. And your inner voice defines it by playing with your kids. Yeah. I mean, not that the playing with the kids is the ultimate thing. It's just doing things you love, basically. But one of the major things it suggested in that vein was nature, hikes, and kids. Yeah. And how do you feel knowing your job sorted? I felt that, like, in my being, I felt that. But I think externally, there are, like, some transitions going on. And so so I sometimes feel like, oh, should I be, you know, looking at other options? Or should I be doing these things? But internally I just keep like I just feel like stay where I am you're doing a really good job thanks is there any other questions you have for it I guess one thing that I feel like I'm blocking is my daughter's gonna turn one next week and I have some extra weight 
still the 10 pounds that I would like to shed. I'm not putting in any effort to lose this weight. Like I'm not eating fruits and vegetables as much as I feel like I should, or I'm not being as active as I feel like I should be. Like I'm wondering like why I'm not doing those things. Okay, let's find out. Why am I not doing the things I think I need to do to lose the 10 pounds? Because you don't want to. Why don't I want to? Because you don't feel like you should. Why don't I feel like I should? Because you don't want to be different. Who am I staying the same as? All the other moms. Is it okay if I'm different from all the other moms? Yes. Is it okay for me to lose the weight? Yes. Do you care if I shed it? No. Do you want me to shed it? No. Why not? Because you're perfect the way you are. Are you holding on to it or is it irrelevant to you? I am. You are holding on to it? Yes. Why are you holding on to it? Because. Because why? Because I want to. Is it okay for you to want to hold on to it? No. Why not? Because. Because why? Because it's not. It's not what? It's not okay. So my inner voice believes it's not okay to lose the weight. Yes. Is it safe for me to lose the weight? Yes. But you just don't want to. Right. Is it okay for you not to want to? No. Why is it a problem? Because you want to. I'm clarifying with the inner voice. Inner voice, let me make sure I understand you. So you're saying you want to hold on to the weight, but Sarah's mind does not. I think so. How can you help Sarah have peace with this if this is what you're choosing? Because I want to. You want to have it? Yeah. Will you ever want to get rid of it? Maybe. Does it matter to you now? No. How do you help Sarah have peace with this? If she's wanting to get rid of it in the mind and you're not wanting to get rid of it down here, how can you help her have peace about this? It's not saying anything. This is like what I want to know. I know. Okay, so really good job. You did such a good job, Sarah. What you did is you did not make up an answer. You just said nothing. Great job. Okay, that just means we asked new questions. So you're doing so good, right? We're not making up a fake rabbit hole to go down the wrong way. But isn't this interesting? Like, we don't know what's going to happen from here, but... We're going to just explore different avenues of finding more information here, okay? Some of the things I wrote down about this was that like a lot of moms have extra weight and I feel guilty about wanting to get back to where I was. And I don't want to focus on weight or body image for my kids. Like I don't want my kids to focus on that or see me focusing on that. And then I also um, wrote down, I want to look slash feel like I value myself and take time to feel good. Kind of going back to like the hair and makeup and dressing and I want to value myself. Beautiful. You're doing so good, Sarah. Okay, let's go down. Inner voice is the reason you want to hold on to this weight right now is to show Sarah she doesn't need to change her external appearance in order to feel and present herself in that best and most ultimate way. Yes, exactly. Is that why you're holding on to this? Yes. Once she realizes this and feels this in her awareness as well, will the weight fall away? Yes, this is what she needed. This is actually serving a purpose to help her get the feeling before she gets the reality instead of constantly chasing it the opposite way. Yes, exactly. 
Thank you, Inner Voice. All right, I'm glad we were able to sort out that because that was a really interesting little conundrum there. It was like, well, obviously we got infinite intelligence right now telling you there's a reason you're keeping it. How do you feel knowing that's the reason it's holding on to it? I guess it goes back to the like idea of like this perfection, which doesn't really exist. And nobody's perfect. Like even though they present themselves as perfect, they are not. Yeah. Do you think the mind, the pure mind, not because you're kind of this mismatch, right? You like have some awareness of your inner voice. Like you're not quitting your job because you know it's not time yet, even though the mind was kind of like raising questions. You haven't been purely driven by the mind. There's been a blend in you for some time of your awareness of this voice and or at least its guidance to some level and the mind. But if we were to purely look at the mind without any inner voice (laughs) at all, so this is like more mind than you ever actually live. What does the mind say about people that have it all right on the outside, but not there on the inside? I wish that I was like that. Really? The mind is like, yeah, that's what I want. Inner voice, why do I want that? Why does the mind in me want that? Because it's, it thinks that's what you should have. If the mind thinks that's what I should have, what does it think it will feel if it has it? Not great. It won't feel great if it has that stuff? No. Well, that's one reason you could block it. If your mind thinks that you won't feel great if you have it, even though it wants it, it feels like you should have it, but you don't feel like you'd actually be happy if you did. That's a lot of contradiction going on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like, well, I'm going to get nowhere in that because my belief on the one hand wants it so bad and the other hand knows that it's empty. <laughs> so it doesn't do anything to get it, but it doesn't stop it from wanting it. It's just a whole right. like, mismatch of a web of distraction from the inner voice, which is calling you all the time saying like, hey, we're pretty good right now. <laughs> and everything you want to feel, you can feel right now because I'm feeling it for you and through you. But the original like premise the mind came up with was saying that it wanted to get these external things going in its life. It wanted these habits to be built so it would start to feel differently. Your inner voice says, I'm hanging on to this weight for dear life until she realizes that the feeling's inside of her. And once she figures that out, the weight can fall away. Mm -hmm. So this is a classic like law of attraction experience that you're having. The classic false premise of the mind that if I have the thing, I'll feel a certain way. And the contradiction within that, because the mind in you also knows that's not the way to get it, because you're looking at these other people going, they're not happy, but they have all the, the external pieces of it. So it's like, okay, huge contradiction there. And then the inner voice is just like, hey, I'm just going to feel this way. And as long as it takes her to realize that she's got this down here is fine. There's nothing wrong with her taking her time with this, but I'm not going to let go of this weight until she realizes it. Inner voice, is that true? Is just trying to explain this to the way that you were trying to describe it? Yes. Okay. What can we do to help Sarah sort all this out? (laughs) By realizing it's true. Okay. What is true? That she is pretty. She is pretty? How come she doesn't realize that in the mind? Because she doesn't think she deserves it. Do we even need to know where that thought came from? No. Can we just let it go? Yes. How do we let it go? Just let it go. What does that mean? That's very hard for the mind to know what to do. It is. But how can you help us understand how to do that better? Can you give us a tip? Look at the people. Look at the people. What people should she look at? Friends. When you say look at them, what do you mean? They're not perfect either. And that's going to help me realize? Yes. What will it help me realize? No one is perfect. But we're all perfect the way we are? Yes. Is this ever done? No. Is that okay? It's always unfolding? Yes. 
Can we have more patience with ourselves? Yes. Do you have patience for us? Yes. Will you ever get tired and bored of us? No. How do you feel, Sarah? I like I know these things. I know there is no perfect. Is it still holding on? The mind is still struggling? Yeah, a little bit. Let's do it again. All right. So why is the Sarah's mind, the mind and Sarah, still struggling on this whole perfection topic? She doesn't believe it. Doesn't believe what? She doesn't believe anyone's perfect, but at the same time, she keeps harping on it, the mind in her. Yeah, she's silly. How can we have more compassion for Sarah's mind, the mind in Sarah? She is loved. She's loved, even if she's silly. Yeah. Just like she loves her kids. Yes. They're not perfect, and they don't have it all figured out, and sometimes they probably freak out about silly things. They do. Is she patient with them? Most of the time. Can she be more patient like this with herself? Yes. How does that feel, Sarah? Yeah, that's another. Patience is hard sometimes. It's so funny. What I kind of notice about myself is that the mind in me will take its entire lifetime giving itself chance after chance or day after day of trying hard at something. But the minute it releases control on something to let it happen through it, if it doesn't get an immediate result in that instant, it gives up control. It freaks the heck out and it wants to take back control and try hard again. Right. Right. It's like if I'm not going to lose 10 pounds by suddenly feeling okay about it, then I'm going to work out instead. And I'll give myself like the next three years to work out before I'll get sick of that thing. But I'm only going to give myself like three days to let the inner being do the work. Yeah. It's this huge double standard. Okay. So the mind is driving a horse and buggy and it'll put the reins down and let the horses just drive us for like a brief second. But if it doesn't take us immediately in a teleportation, you know, teleport our little horse and buggy to the destination, then it's like, okay, I tried. That didn't work out. I'm going to pick up the reins again and just like do it the hard way. And it's like the inner voice is just have some patience. But the mind only has patience for its own efforts. It doesn't really have much patience for the inner being. Yeah. And that's something like with the weight, like I'm nursing. So I like I know that my body is doing things like that's not my own body right now, you know, so I've given myself the grace to recognize that it's okay, that it's still doing its thing, I guess. But then sometimes I'll be like, well, you know, that person lost the weight or, or like with my first son, it, you know, it happened differently. And I have felt like more okay this time about it. But sometimes I still feel like, oh, feel like I look like I'm not taking care of myself. Here we go. Inner voice. Is that true? That I look like I'm not taking care of myself? No. It doesn't? Why does the mind think that's true? Because it doesn't know. It doesn't know what? It doesn't know that you are taking care of yourself. Am I taking care of myself? Yes. Even without doing my hair all the time? Yes. Even without being as active as my mind thinks I should be? Yes. Even without eating intuitively and eating mindlessly? Mindlessly, you could do differently. Okay. But how am I taking care of myself? If, if my mind doesn't recognize any of the ways this is happening, how am I doing it? Being with your kids. Gosh, it's really that easy to take care of myself as being with my kids? Yes, but you could shower. <laughs> okay. Would you like that inner voice? Would you like me to shower a little bit and eat an apple? Yes. Okay. That's pretty easy. <laughs> 
Sarah, how does it feel? Inner Voice has got a few requests. It's saying, you know, you're pretty doing a pretty darn good job, Mom. You're playing with your kids. You're spending time with them. Just shower and eat an apple. Yeah. Look how easy it is to feel wonderful in your inner voice. <laughs> I wonder if my inner voice would tell me to shower more, too. I don't even have any excuse. I'm alone almost all the time, and I don't shower that much because I don't like to. <laughs> All right, so inner voice. Is there anything besides showering you gently suggest for Sarah? Reading. Reading. Does she have time for reading? Her mind might say no. She thinks she does. When could she read? She listens to audiobooks in the car. Does she like doing that? Yes. Could she do more of that? Is that what you're suggesting? Is just more of when she's already doing it? Yes, but actual books. Actual books. What's an actual book you would like her to listen to? The books on her list. So you don't care specifically which one she starts with? Any that make her happy. Gosh. Can life really be this easy? It can. Is that all you want her life to be is easy? Yes. You mean it's not about being hard and being successful? No, never. It's not about having guilt? No. Okay, tell me in her voice, what's your view on confidence? Being happy. Can Sarah do that? Yes. How can her mind understand that being happy is confidence? She can have it. Yeah. Sarah, do you see how I think what your inner voice seems to be leading you to is the fact that your confidence comes from you taking all these shoulds off your plate and being confident with the fact that you are doing a great job and just read a book, eat an apple, and take a shower. And that's confidence. Not needing to do any of the other stuff your mind's been shooting on you. Right. That the confidence is in not shaming or shooting the body out of the 10 pounds. Yeah. Because if you genuinely wanted to move in ways that lost the 10 pounds right now out of happiness and joy, they'd be gone. There'd be no resistance there. Yeah. And that's what I felt. I wasn't doing these things for a reason. Do you know what I mean? There's a part of you that knows you don't want to do things that don't bring you joy. And so you refuse to do them. But then there's this huge conflict because the mind is like, no, but you should do them. Yeah, exactly. And if you just release, because it's like a, it's, you know what it is? Like when it says not try, and we're like, well, what do we do with that? It's like dropping the rope. There's a tug of war going on between the head and the heart, and you drop the rope. Mm-hmm. And dropping the rope is like, I'm just going to drop the whole damn drama. Yeah. That's how you let it go, is you just drop it. You drop the rope. You drop the struggle. You let the mind have its story and continue to do it, but has it made you feel happy? Holding on to it? No. No. But it keeps thinking that if you just do it its way for a while, it'll make you happy. But you do have the conflict in you so deep because you know this inner voice is here. You're not that far from this inner voice. It's really easy and natural for you to connect to it. Like you kind of deeply, like you keep saying every time I ask about how you're feeling, you're like, I know this stuff. Like, so on some level, you're living this at the same time the mind's been really active. And what you're learning right now is how to really dial this volume up down here so you don't keep living with the discord between the two and you get better at dropping the rope up above mm -hmm. yeah how do you feel thinking about your life right now compared to when we started I'm still like there are these things that I want to be doing but I think maybe like I think that they're wants but maybe they are really shoulds oh yeah let's just take it this way everything's a should until you're doing it not that you should go do those things. What I'm saying is that the minute you want to do them, you do do the things you want to do. Yeah. 
I have a question for you. Besides reading the audiobooks, which you're doing a little bit, is there anything like have you watched any TV lately or done anything really for yourself? A little bit. Like anything that's really for you. Like, is there even the mindless eating? What are you doing when you mindless eat? Is there a favorite food that your mind really likes to eat right now? Chocolate and cheese. Okay. Is there anything that stopped you from eating the chocolate and cheese lately? No. Which that I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, no, because you want to. There's a part of you that wants to do that, right? So everything else that you're not doing is because of a part of you doesn't want to. So like you, you're doing those things to feel happy. They're like kind of mimicking the ways that would probably feel a little bit more fulfilling. They're kind of like not quite all the way there. Okay, inner voice. Should I stop eating cheese and chocolate altogether? No. So is there anything I should change about the way that I'm eating my cheese and chocolate? Eat them when you want to, not when you feel like you should. Okay, this is so cool. Inner voice, why even though the mind is saying all these things about how it shouldn't eat those foods, why does it sometimes feel like it should eat those foods? Because they're good for you. The chocolate and cheese are good for you? In small amounts. When she's eating them and she feels like she should, but you're saying she doesn't really, what's motivating the mind in that moment? When it's beyond the good level, What's motivating her should in that moment? She feels like that's what everyone else is doing. Okay, Sarah, how do you feel about that? This is probably deeper than your mind even understands. This makes sense because I feel like with this weight or like this idea that like other moms have extra weight, that this is what they're doing. They're like mindlessly eating. And so I feel like I should be doing that too. Isn't that wild that the mind is like so insane? It's like you need to change all these things and it's creating the choice to do the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a little three-year-old trying to be your parent. It's not doing a very great job, but it's doing the best it can. But it's really not useful at all the things it's taking on. Like inner voice, let's ask it. When should the mind be used for eating? All the time. What should it do? Because right now it's doing all these crazy things. Listen to me. So the mind should just be listening to me. Always. Is that all it needs to do is just listen to me? Yes. What about like anything else? Should it ever make its own choice about eating? No, never. Never. Okay, so then why would we need the mind if it's always about listening to you? Do we need the mind in order to listen to you? Like what's up? I don't get it. Sometimes it does. It does hear from me or sometimes it does what? Sometimes it does want these things. Can you clarify that for me in her voice? Sometimes it wants to eat these things even though you know you shouldn't. In those situations, what should I do instead? Listen to me. So stop eating and listen? Yes. Should Sarah ask a question to you? Yes. What should she ask in those situations? Will this make me happy? And you'll tell her yes or no? Yes. Sarah, how do you feel? These are the things I know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Beautiful. Done. Go down. Why, if Sarah knows all of this, is it not happening so far? Because she doesn't want to. Why not? Because she's scared. Is that why she's eating in these other ways instead? Yes. Sarah, do you see that? This is why law of attraction is so powerful because the mind is acting out of fear. So it's creating the reality it fears. Ah, it's creating the reality you fear. I am afraid to like have this like quote unquote perfect body or whatever 
So I do the things so I don't have that. Exactly. Because it's more focused on what it doesn't have or what it wants and doesn't have than the peace. And so it keeps creating a reality to perpetuate more wanting. (laughs) You feel thirsty for it. So you keep creating situations that perpetuate more thirst. This is where law of attraction is so powerful and the mind doesn't understand its own creation. It's like, no, what do you mean? I don't want that at all. I think all the day about how I don't want to have this. That's exactly it because you're thinking about what you don't want. You're creating more of it. I can tell you that when my mind, the mind in me gets hooked on eating or like losing weight or whatever, all it does is think about food. When it's not worried about it and it has a great body shape, it's not thinking about food. It ironically thinks about food far less when it's not fighting what is the shape I'm perceiving. Yeah. But the way to start the shift in momentum is to drop the resistance to what is, which is why your inner voice was very smart and very confusing when it kept telling you, I'm fine with her as she is. I'm holding on to the weight. Right. Once you drop the resistance to that, it also told you, you can lose it. Mm-hmm. But the peace and the confidence you're truly looking for, it doesn't lie in the weight loss. Let me ask you a question, Sarah, the head, <laughs> or you, just like you, okay? Wouldn't you, how powerful would it be? Because I know you're just like a really deep person. When you say confidence and you being that and comparing this to other moms, Not that we should use this as the reason. The reason to do this is purely for yourself, but also in doing so, would you show the confidence to be compassionate to yourself, to other moms, regardless of whether the weight's there or not? And would that be, in a way, a better example of what it means to be a confident mother is to be fully compassionate to yourself and accepting and kind in all ways in any weight on the scale? Yeah, and that's what I want to model for my children. Exactly. And you could say that it doesn't have to do with hair or makeup either. And it doesn't have to do with like which workouts you're doing. You just want to be a person that loves their kids and is confident and happy. And I think that's actually what you want to present to anyone else as well is my guess. And I think that's deeply what you probably also attribute most success to. Yeah. And all that's required is a shift in thinking to do exactly that. Yeah, so how do I shift? Direct that question down. Do it. Ask that question. And say it out loud so everyone else knows the question you ask because they're probably loving this and, and resonating too. How do I shift how I'm thinking? You just do. <laughs> What's your next question for it? Why don't I have compassion for myself? Because it's hard. What's your next question? Why is it hard? Beautiful. Because it is, and that's okay. What's your next question? Why is that okay? Yes. Oh, you're asking exactly word for word. Okay, throw it down. Because it always is. Why is it always okay? Because it always is. Listen to me. How can I listen to you better? Use your listening ears. She's doing a really good job right now, isn't she, in her voice? Yes, she is. Yeah. Why don't I do these things if I want to do them? Because you're scared. Scared of what? Scared of the results. I'm scared of losing weight. Yes. Why? Because you are. Why am I scared? 
Because you don't want to be different. What's the next one? You know what it is. Why don't I want to be different? You're doing it. Do you see how you're building and you're going further? Yeah. Because you're scared of being different. You're scared of the attention. What attention would I get from it? You're scared of being perfect. Why is being perfect bad? It's not bad. Then why am I afraid of it? Because it's scary. Why is it scary? Because you don't know what will happen. Will I be okay? Always. Will I be safe if I lose the weight? Yes. Will I be safe if I keep the weight? Yes. Does it ever matter if I lose the weight? No. Never? No. What about to my family? Maybe. That it might matter? Yeah. Why would it matter to my family? Because they think you're perfect. So do they care if they, I lose or keep the weight? I don't want to say because I'm scared, but it says that my mom will. Is it okay if my mom criticizes my weight? Yes. Why is it okay? She's not you. <laughs> is the problem in my weight or in her mind? Her mind. Why does her mind potentially hold that story that it's a problem? It's her problem. Why is she scared about that? Like, why would the mom be scared about that? She doesn't want that for you. What does she not really want for me? You to be perfect. She does want me to be perfect? Yes. She wants me to be perfect. So she thinks the weight is a sign of that perfection. Yes. Is that true? No. What is more true than that belief she's holding? You're perfect no matter what. Is it my job to help her realize that? No. What is my job then in the situation with my mom and my weight? Let her go. What does that look like for me? Listen to yourself. So I'm letting her go from my mind? Yes. And it's up to her to figure out her own stuff about my weight? Yes. And I can be okay even if she's critical? Yes. If she ever said anything, what should I do? Ignore her. I hope my mom's not listening. <laughs> How do you feel? Good. I actually had this conversation with my mom earlier after my daughter was born. She would say things about like wanting me to lose the extra weight. And I finally had to tell her, I'm fine with it. My doctor's fine with it. My health is fine. So let it go kind of thing. And she hasn't brought it up, but I guess I still, like, have this replaying in my mind. Is my mom just playing out in my mind more than my mind? Yes. Yeah. This is why I try to detach this whole mind thing from our identity, because that thought's not even yours. It's just been adopted from your mom. Yeah. And the mind in your mom. Like, here's a question. Inner voice. Does the inner voice within my mom care about my weight? No. <laughs> so deep down even my mom doesn't care no but she thinks she should yeah why does she think she should she wants you to be healthy yeah so she wants the best for me but her mind just like the mind in me is not doing a very good job understanding what it needs to be happy yeah and healthy right you did a really beautiful job too with the back and forth on the questions you kept building from the question before and the answer that came yeah it is simple it's just kind of like when it gives you a simple answer, like you said, like, just stay simple. 
And also what you've noticed is that sometimes it'll just tell you because or repeat a similar question. You ask it again and it'll give you a different response in a slightly different way. So you say like, because why? Or, you know, why am I scared? You're doing that. You're not just letting that stop you. Where like early experiences, often people just walk away at that point. You're like, oh, wait, no, if I ask it a different way, it'll it'll keep going. Yeah. And you're one of the first people I've worked with in the client sessions that has kind of taken the reins as both voices. So I'm sure this will probably start happening more and more with other clients. But uh, up to this point so far in my sessions, the ones I've done so far I kind of stay in that role for people. So they get the kind of the the joy and the privilege of just staying in that listening mode, which is really great. But I think it's cool to also show everyone as you're doing this too and show yourself that you don't need me to keep asking the questions. Like you're getting a feel for this really intuitively, really quickly. Yeah, yeah, it was helpful. I, I wasn't sure if you could tell like when my mind was talking. I knew, totally. Yeah, it was helpful to like practice what you were doing for me to practice that. Yeah. And then you were even asking direct questions I exactly would have asked as well, which doesn't matter. That's just like the way my line of thinking goes. But really, it's about building on the answers to the questions because it really makes a difference, the quality of the questions you're asking to get the response. Like you wouldn't have gotten Apple necessarily. It may not have just popped out unless we asked it is there something I should eat? Right. Yeah. And it's not that hard. Like it took me a little bit at first to like realize how to listen to it. But I just like close my eyes and wait for it. It's about listening. Yeah. And not forcing it. And it's not about thinking it. And you were learning how to go between the thinking and the listening. So then you're going back and forth and bobbing up and down. And that's like your bobblehead. That's your real... I mean, it's so powerful because now you can bobblehead the rest of your life. Now you're never going to, you know, go, I wonder what the answer is. <laughs> like, you know where it's at. It's just about asking. Yeah. And giving yourself compassion when you forget or choose not to from the mind. Uh-huh. Because then the mind will actually shame you for not doing this thing which is hilarious because it's the thing that's preventing you from remembering to do it. And then it's going to be the same part of you that shames you for not doing it. Yeah. And that's how I was feeling like with these things that I was like, I know I could ask myself these questions and not have to like, not ask you to ask me. But so I'm like, why don't, why aren't I just asking myself these questions? I have the answer, but I don't know why I wasn't. I just, well, let's ask. So why have I not been asking this if I know it's there to use? Because you're scared. So this whole extra thinking that's unnecessary is just acting out of fear. It always is. But it's not ultimately necessary. No. What should I do when I notice that I freak out again in the future or start getting attached to the mind stuff? Be quiet. You mean it's not about shaming myself even more and feeling even more guilty? No, listen to me. Why are you always so peaceful for me? Because it's who I am. Peace? Yes, peace and joy. How can I feel more of you in my life? Just listen. I'm always here. Should I talk to you every day? That would be nice. Do I have to talk to you for a long time? No. What would be ideal for Sarah? She should talk to me as often as she wants. <laughs> so this is all about want? It always is. 
How do you feel, Sarah? You get to just have an, a nice life where you play with your kids. You're confidently happy that doing things you want is enough. I mean, it is law of attraction. Like you've said, like when you do the things that bring you joy, that make you happy, then more will come of that. And when you're shooting on yourself, you'll get more shoulds. Yeah. It's not that either point of view, well, one causes more stress, obviously, and more shoulds, and one is more relaxed and like, just have fun. But either way, you're directing your awareness, you're getting more of whatever way the direction's going of the awareness, right? Right. So now you can see that when you keep perpetuating an old pattern, we noticed it early on with the mind that it presented all these things it wanted to do, but also had huge resistance to them. So it was creating a pattern to keep the pattern going. It was just in a pattern. It was in a holding pattern of, I needed to lose the weight. I should take care of myself in all these external ways so that I feel better. But I don't feel better right now, so I keep doing the things that won't make me feel better, what I think will make me feel better, right? But it was doing the cheese and chocolate thing pretty well and even beyond where you even found joy in it. But that was, again, just to keep the pattern going that the mind had created it is normal and it is insane. That's my favorite quote by Eckhart Tolle, I think, of all of them. <laughs> like, it's the funniest one to me. Yeah, why is that? Like, why can't I just... Inner voice, ask, why is that? Why can't I just be? Because it's how it is. Does it always need to be that way? Yes. That the mind will keep going crazy? Yes, it is. Will it ever shift or change for me? Probably not. Is that okay? Yes. So all is well. Yes, listen to me. There you go, girl. There you go. Don't listen to the insanity. Listen to the peace and joy. Sometimes it's easier to hear the mind out, you know, but it doesn't mean you have to follow it. <laughs> like you can hear it and still not do it. I remember when I was like learning to intuitively eat years and years ago before I knew most of this stuff was not in my life yet. But I did recognize the insanity of the pattern of eating from my ego versus inner voice or intuition, I called it at the time. And I did like dialogue and debate with the inner voice <laughs> or sorry, the, the, the head. I would be like, after nine years, you did not get me anything I wanted. I only wanted peace and I was never peaceful whether it was underweight or overweight. I want peace more than you. And I would just go listen to the intuition instead. And it was a pretty active dialogue for me in that phase. So like when you would like eat, you would be like, okay, is this going to make me happy? How did you learn to intuitively eat? So here's what the inner voice would say. It would get this little story. It said, okay, I'm going to let you do this intuition eating thing. Fine, <laughs> fine. But I'm just going to help you lose the first five pounds first, and then you can do it the other way. Mm -hmm. Right? It would just kind of bargain with me. You're up a few pounds, so I'm going to help you with those, and then you can go do it. It's pushing it into the future. And I kept arguing with it. <laughs> Now, I'm not saying this is necessary. I just didn't have the inner voice awareness yet to really go deeper down and hear a direct voice. All I was doing was straight in the head, talking to the head. And I was like, you know what? And after nine years, I never got peace from you. And all you wanted was you told me I would get peace, right? My ego thought it would be peaceful if it weighed a certain perfect amount. And what I realized after nine years of being underweight and overweight is that I was scared to gain weight when I was underweight, and I was scared I'd never lose it when I was overweight. <laughs> so even at any weight on the scale on a 40-pound swing, I was unpeaceful. And so I was like, wait, this has categorically failed for almost a decade. No matter what the weight was on either swing on the scale, there was never peace. 
So I would dialogue pretty actively, let's put it that way, <laughs> with the ego, saying to it, you never got me peace and that's what I wanted. I want peace instead of this. And no, even if you could help me lose those pounds, I want peace more than that and I can have that right now. Over time, the weight came off, but it did so in a very different way than ever before and it stayed off because it wasn't done by the ego. Yeah, that's what I keep hoping is going to happen, that like by not trying, that it will work itself out. And if I can just give you... Like the only thing I'd suggest is focus on kindness. So real kindness to yourself, because you're really like, I'm kind of speaking to the spring bobblehead right now, right? I'm speaking to the hinge in you that can go up or down. Kindness from this hinge, right? So kindness looks like being kind when the head is more actively in your awareness than the gut or the heart. And also like kindness doesn't look like overeating. Right. Kindness means that you, you allow yourself to have the cheese and chocolate, but not to the point where it doesn't leave you feeling good because that's not kind. Spoken from a true binger years ago. <laughs> I used to eat to the point where I felt sick, but I had this huge fear of throwing up, so I was never bulimic because I was never one to vomit. So I would binge and like eat to the point where my stomach hurt, and then I found this like little fun trick where if I put my legs up the wall, it would help soothe my stomach from all the food I fed it. Mm -hmm. That's not very kind to my body to put it in that uncomfortable position that I have to change how I lay based on how I ate. That's not awareness of kindness in my body, at, except for at the end when I put the legs up. But while I was eating it, I wasn't being kind because I was eating past the point of satisfaction. But I didn't also ever block out like cheese and chocolate. For me, it was ice cream. I told myself, because the ego said, if I choose to eat what my intuition tells me to eat until satisfied, then I'll never eat ice cream. So I had a, I remember having like ice cream every night and I first made this decision and I had it in a small bowl and I would eat spoonful after spoonful and trained and learned how to pay attention like a meditation. Forget meditating. Guess what you can do? You can meditate with chocolate. And what you do is you eat bite after bite until you reach the point of satiation and then you put it away. Or with cheese. You don't need to meditate anymore without food in your hand. The food, the cheese and the chocolate are now your meditation. Yeah, this is something that I've wanted to do, like active meditation. Washing the dishes, like being appreciative that I have dishes to wash and that I have a family who, you know, we had food on the table or like this idea of like active meditation, not just like lying in bed and. Yeah, you don't need to do that. Forget that. But I would suggest doing with cheese and chocolate. Yeah, I think it's just like being mindful of like, okay, is this going to make me happy? Yeah. When I think of it, I phrase it in my head. It's probably the same thing, but it's like a slightly different spin on it. It's just like, instead of calling it mindfulness and the phrase, well, this isn't going to make me any happier. That's not really appreciating it. I'd be like, I have like a chocolate meditation. <laughs> and I just focus more on the full positive. Like I love chocolate so much. And now I'm like a connoisseur of chocolate. And I eat this bite and I just savor it. And I eat this bite and I just savor it. And I eat this bite and I'm savoring it. All right, now I'm done. It's just more joy. It's just like from your inner voice only wants you to do things you love. So like saying I should make it a mindfulness thing and this bite isn't going to make me any happier. All of those things are kind of shading it to a thing I should do versus a thing I love doing. Yes, that makes sense. So I just say add more love into it and take out the shoulds. Yeah, in life. 
And you can do it literally. I wouldn't meditate. I wouldn't spend zero moments meditating in any other way than when chocolate's in your hand. Because mm-hmm. the other moments are fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But your inner voice, the inner voice, just do I need to meditate silently anymore? No, it's a waste of time. <laughs> there you go. I don't know about that. Well, okay. Why doesn't my mind and Sarah believe it? It doesn't make sense. Does it make sense to you in her voice? Yes. Why does it make sense to you? Because she thinks it's something she should be doing. Yeah. Do you think I should be doing anything besides showering a little bit more and eating an apple? If you want to. It really is this easy. Man, it is. It doesn't have a spiritual chore chart for you, including five minutes or 15 minutes of meditating. But I do think you bringing more kindness into your chocolate eating but I'm not calling it a should or, you know, kindness. Because that's what's being blocked when it's getting to the past the point of comfort. When it gets uncomfortable, it's no longer kind. But then you can be kind even after you're uncomfortable. It's like I remember actually in the same phase of my life, by the way, I remember this quote that really resonated for me in that phase. It was about, I'm going to paraphrase the whole thing here. I don't remember where, you know, it came from or anything. But it was like talking about how someone walked down the street and they fell in a hole. And they're like, oh, my God, there's a hole. I didn't see it coming. So they fell in it. And the next time they walked down the street, they remember there was a hole there. They still fell in it. <laughs> and then the next time they walked down the same street, they remembered there was a hole and they walked around it. And then, like, I think it even gets to the point where they, like, later they just walk down another street. <laughs> so that's how I felt about binging. Like, at first, I would realize I binged after I did it. And I was like, oh, no, I did that thing. So first of all, it was like, oh, my gosh, I'm binging sometimes. Then I would binge and only really realize that I was doing it after the binge was complete. And then sometimes I would realize I was binging in the middle of the binge and I keep going. <laughs> it took a while to get to the point where I was binging and I could stop in the middle of the binge and eventually got to the point where I could feel the urge to binge and I didn't. And then the whole idea of binging now is completely out of my mind. Right. Because it just wouldn't make any logical sense to eat past any point of being too full. Yeah. Like it just doesn't feel good, so I wouldn't do it because it wouldn't be fun. But in the beginning, there was so much momentum going the other direction, it took a while. And it kept falling in that freaking hole or, you know, getting close to it or stopping mid-binge. So it's not about being perfect in the beginning, but it is compassionate all steps in that street. Mm-hmm. But you could really help a lot of moms. And not that you need to. It's just that to do things you enjoy. But if you ever enjoyed, that could be something you could enjoy doing is encouraging moms and taking the shoulds off their plates. Yeah, I am curious as to why I feel this guilt. And I was thinking about like in one of your Instagram lives, one of the questions was about like helping victims or, you know, helping. I don't remember the exact example, like hurricane victims, like like this idea like feeling guilty that you are, you know, not in the depths of despair like some other people and to like give from there, like not feel guilty about where you are, but to use that to like pay it forward kind of was what I took from it. There are people that are suffering far more in their homes with everything around them than people in a hurricane. The thoughts we choose to have about situations in our lives that therefore create our feelings are within us, not within the situation. So the suffering that's created, there can be the loss of things that doesn't mean suffering. There can be pain that doesn't mean suffering. Now, it's so common for us to have those two linked 
loss and pain to suffering, that we take that for granted, that they always link together. But that's not true, ultimately. And that's just because there's a relatively low level of consciousness in our species right now. But that doesn't mean that there aren't exceptions to that and that we're growing into the becoming more commonly in those exceptions. But also what I recognize is there could be far more suffering in someone that seems to have everything than in someone that seems to have nothing. Yes, absolutely. Right? When I was in Ghana, they were some of the happiest people I ever met and they had far less than the people I meet in London. But that doesn't mean the people in London I actually perceive are any emotionally richer. I'm not picking on London. I'm not, you know, trying to put Ghana on a pedestal, but I'm just making an honest observation. And it's because no one can think or feel for you. I always think even about Greg Braden in one of the events I went to had this video of these two kids from, I think they were from Iraq or Iran, and they were in this really bad, their brothers that were in a really bad accident or situation at a very, very young age. And they're, I think they're Canadian or Australian. Mother adopted them. And one of the kids uh, sang at uh, like kind of like The Voice or one of those types of TV shows. And he was singing John Lennon, you know, and it was just like this incredibly powerful, love-filled experience. And you look at this kid and he could have every right to say and to live a life of suffering. But although he was exposed to something very tragic in his early years, he also was exposed to great love by the mother and the family that he then, you know, came a part of. And so he didn't hold on to the past and he shows what's possible. Anyways, the whole story to say he on the surface has every reason to suffer more than you do. But you it's quite possible that you're suffering more thinking about these 10 pounds you're trying to lose because of your mom and the mom story playing out in your head than he is playing out in his life. And he's got a really great physical deformity. And he doesn't know his original parents necessarily remember them because of all the bombings and stuff that happened around him when he was young. So to say anything about anyone, it's so difficult because we're not living the inner experience they're having. But in all cases, we can recognize we cannot change how other people feel, nor can they change us. So it's up to us to fill ourselves up with this inner voice within us that's constantly loving us at all times, and then do those things that we feel joy in doing, and let that overflow into joyful ways, and see how that benefits others as well, recognizing it's not ultimately in our control to actually make anyone feel any different. Just because I have donated 10% of the revenue from our company to Pencils of Promise and built three schools and do the fundraising for the programs and the scholarships for the students doesn't mean that those kids feel happier. They just now have a school. And just because we do the teacher programming and training doesn't mean that that teacher that gets all this extra help now and and teacher training and all this great stuff and they have these bulletins, now they have e-readers and all these things doesn't mean that they're happier at lunchtime. Because I'm not in control of what they think and what they feel. So I'm not putting it on my plate to make anyone think or feel any different than they already are. I'm just doing things that light me up in joy. And part of what that is is giving in these ways. But I'm not expecting that by giving in these ways, anyone chooses to feel differently. Because that's not in my control. 
So to feel guilty makes no sense. You can't control others. No, your mom can't make you feel bad about the weight. You're choosing to adopt and repeat the stories in your own mind. That's why you feel bad. Your inner voice doesn't feel bad at all. Inner voice, do you feel bad about the mom and her opinions? No. No. You just took them on as your own because you didn't realize they weren't. And most people don't understand that. So they think people can make them feel certain ways. But it's not. They're just adopting the statement the other person said as their own or something that they should feel about. And sometimes it's really hard for the mind not to pick it up, but it's never necessary. Inner voice, is it ever necessary to care about what other people say? No. Why not? I'm strong. So can anything ever happen to me that can hurt me in this place? No. Can the mind take on other people's problems and make them its own? Yes. Why does the mind do that? The mind is silly. So is it ever necessary for Sarah to feel guilty for having the life she has? No. Even if other people have bad times happen to them? No, they're okay. They're okay. They're always okay? Yes. Even when horrible things like hurricanes or disease happen to them? Yes. We're all okay. How is that possible? We're all okay. And we're always okay? Yes. Do we ever not exist? Does anyone ever not exist? Everyone is always there. Can Sarah choose to help people? Yes. Can Sarah ever make people better? You can never make people better. Why not? It's their journey to travel. Yes. Wise voice. Thank you. Do you see how I can give all day long? That doesn't mean the kids care about their schooling. That doesn't mean the teachers are happier. That doesn't mean anything about the thoughts they think or the emotions they have. Yeah, you just got to do you. Just think about all the rich people that kill themselves when they're famous. No one can think or feel for them. So no matter how much they have, it doesn't mean they're not suffering. Just like no matter how little they have, it doesn't mean they are suffering. They're not linked directly. It's only in the stories we tell about it that makes it suffering. So the Ghana people that I'm speaking to directly that I had experience with meeting that had like this joyfulness about them didn't have a fraction of the things of people that like I'm thinking of someone named Sean that I stayed with in London in Notting Hill the first part of my trip three-ish years ago. He had a penthouse apartment and he had this, you know, he had this business and all these things. Massive wealth. Massively more conflicted and unhappy than the people that had kitchens outside with goats running around and no walls around their kitchen, just forest stumps and like thatched roof over their kitchen stove, which wasn't a stove, it was more of like a fire. So if Sean was put into that situation where he got everything taken away and he had as much as the people in Ghana, he would have definitely had a story of suffering. He didn't even, he had all the things and he still had a bit of a story of suffering. When we take the pressure off of ourselves to make anyone else feel a certain way, we get to actually do the only thing we ever can do in the first place, which is you deserve to feel good regardless of what your mom thinks about you. That's real freedom. And once you do that, you get to have that for yourself. You show that your children don't have to worry about anyone else and what they think of them. And you show other moms it's okay to be this joyful exactly without doing my hair and makeup and all these things. 
it gives them permission to do the same for themselves because they can only do it for themselves. And sometimes it might feel fun for you to, I don't know, like give water when there is a hurricane. Or it might feel fun for you to donate to things like Pencils of Promise and build schools. As long as it feels fun to you, just like your inner voice kept saying, you do it. But you never expect it to make you a good person or to make them feel better. Because you can't do that for them. You just give in joy. Yeah, you have to do what makes you happy. And that's all you can do. That's all anyone can do. And out of that, we show other people they can do it within themselves. And we stop having this victim mentality and making everybody else have to change their behavior so we can be well. When they don't, like your mom doesn't have to change for you to feel well about her views on your weight. Like you would be benefited, but she doesn't have to. And the only reason she has that view is because she at some level doesn't feel well about herself. Because if she was really tapped into her inner voice that doesn't hold that belief, she wouldn't even be thinking about it. Yeah. It's really challenging to the human mind because it's so used to holding other people and situations accountable for its thoughts and feelings to really take that off of its plate and anyone else's, you know, off of its plate. And then to take ownership from this deep, beautiful place, it's like, everything's fine. We're always existing. It's here to be experienced. This is okay too. And then from that place, do things that light us up. And sometimes that does look like helping other people, but without this persona attached to it that makes me a good person or that feels guilty if I don't or it should change this other person. It's just done in joy and let go. It's really fun to live life that way. And it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It just means you're choosing not to feel bad about something that doesn't exist, which is the power for you to control another person's thoughts. Right. You can only control your emotions and your happiness. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean there's not the opportunity for those thoughts and emotions to rub off on someone else. Like your mom's stuff rubbed off on you, (laughs) unfortunately, in this case. But sometimes it can be the opposite. Sometimes someone's positive thoughts and emotions can rub off on you. And that's nice when that happens. But it's still your choice. And we don't even realize the mind is so malleable and being pushed around in so many different directions by all these experiences because we don't have consciousness about the stories that we're playing and whether they're true and from this deeper place. But that's what we're building right now. That's what you're doing. You're connecting to the part that's going to be able to sift and sort through all the thoughts and emotions your mind is having and help you find the truth within it. And most people don't have that access. So they're being very impressionable to other people's minds because they're listening to voices that aren't their own, like that voice in you. Now you have a real anchor point that's eternally true for you. Yeah. Yep. It's beautiful. Does that help you with the guilt thing a bit with the people? Yeah. I think I was feeling like the idea of like the perfect, that, like what you said, like a perfect person, quote unquote. Like, I think sometimes I, per- in my mind, maybe I perceive like, oh, if that person's perfect, they aren't happy. To your point about like the people in Ghana, like that they are quote unquote don't have a perfect life, but they're happy. Yeah, and that could also be the mind story that's in the mind that's in you right now saying, I need to not have a perfect life so I can be happy. 
I need to not have all the pieces so I can be happy because authentically happy people don't have all the pieces. And then it keeps perpetuating that reality for yourself. Yeah. Which is, I mean, we can just see that for what it is with kindness and compassion, right? Yes. Like as an example, I don't know why, but the, the I like sometimes watching Ellen on YouTube because <laughs> I don't have TV usually, but sometimes I really like watching Ellen clips because she just seems to me, and I don't know if she's genuinely a happy human, but she seems to be a genuinely happy human, seems to be genuinely happy in her relationship, in her career. And I know that she also does philanthropic work and she loves decorating and houses and stuff like that. So she seems to have a lot of pieces that, you know, the mind might tell a story. And I don't know if she's really happy. So this is all just a guess. But that could be an example of someone that has a lot of pieces and is still happy. Right. Yeah. And other people could have all the pieces and be massively unhappy. So there could be a family and gone in the same little, I wouldn't call it like a neighborhood or little village that's massively unhappy and other families that are massively happy. There could be people on your street that are massively unhappy and are massively happy and they have roughly the same amount of stuff but it's really the mind environment the person's living in that makes the biggest difference to that person's life it's not the environment it's the internal environment yes exactly it's not the circumstances it's how you deal with them yeah and that is such a multi-layered thing because some people, even your children, you might see some have different personas coming in. <laughs> so it's like they could live in the same household. And actually, I can look at that with my brothers and I. We had very different interpretations of our childhood and how we experienced the same basic events from our own points of view. And personalities could be very different and slightly different upbringings because we each were a different era, like personality, interacting with our family and age and you know, that whole thing. So it's like, but that's all okay. But the power is recognizing the inner environment is within our awareness. And within that awareness, we have the choice that we're working on right now with everything I'm sharing, hopefully to help people recognize. You can start to to really learn how to let go of what's not serving you and it's not even yours in the first place. Your inner voice told you this, this whole like weight thing's more about your mom story than yours. Right. And it's like, wow, once we have that, we don't have to hold on to it. It's like, do you want to hold on to your mom's story? Do you want to live your mom's life for you? No. I want to live my life. Yeah. And your kids want you to live your life for you. Yeah. Because then you're really, really living your life. You're not as picky about them either. This is where I, I think it's kind of cool. What I've realized is by filling myself up, right? And then I give out of joy. I have very little expectation out of the Pencils of Promise thing, right? Like I, I'm giving because it feels good. But I don't, like, am I upset if the kids are ungrateful? <laughs> or am I upset if the teachers don't still like their jobs if they didn't like them before? No, it's not in my control to change any of that. It's just in my control to do the things that bring me joy and light me up. It For me, it's giving that money. And I know I'm much better at that than building the cedar blocks or cinder blocks that we have to create to build them. I've actually learned how to do that too. I'm not very good at lifting that cement. So that's definitely not the way I'm most joyfully or most powerfully able to even be of service to them. <laughs> building the schools with my actual like manpower, like really impractical, but me doing what I love and helping you and helping anyone else that's listening and then out of that bringing forth what is flowing through this experience to those people, they don't have access to those kind of resources where they are. 
And so I'm able to give that. And the other people that are able to build cinder blocks with strength and ease are able to give that. And they do so for whatever reasons they choose to do so. I hope they choose joy as well, but I can't control whether they choose to do it in joy. I can only control myself. Because I'm filled up from within and I'm not expecting the outcome of giving to those people to make me feel any different, right? I'm not attached to what their outcome is. And the same can be true for like a mom, as an example, with their kids. Like you can give to your kids and give them all the things you think would be joyful to give your child as an experience, but you don't hold yourself accountable for the kid loving it or not because it's not in your control either. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, there's just a lot lot less expectation on other people because you're not leaning on them for the supply of wellness within yourself. So like your mom... She thinks she's coming from joy with you, but really she's coming from concern and that's not wellness and that's not at the frequency of wellness. And you know that your inner voice told you if your mom was really doing that, her inner voice knows your wellness as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's kind of freeing. It is, yeah. And it doesn't mean sometimes though, I can also say that there are people that are not allowing themselves to feel well. And then when they don't allow themselves to feel well, it like perpetuates by also not giving in ways that feel well. <laughs> and so sometimes there's this kind of like dis-ease that feels weird because it would feel better to give in some way than they're currently allowing themselves to give. And so by releasing and just doing the thing, but releasing the expectation of it makes you feel or be any better or, you know, the outcome needs to be any different for those other people. Like sometimes it can be a sign that there's something that does want to be born forth from you. And that could be an invitation to do so. But like, please choose if you can to listen to your inner voice on what that is, because it'll help you to lead to a way that feels great. Yeah, listen to myself and do things for me, not with the expectation that if I do this, then something good will happen to me. Or that it means something about you, like now you're a good person, because every time there's a hurricane, you give $20 or $200 or $2,000. Sometimes the mind will say, I'm a good person if I lose the 10 pounds. It can also make up crazy rules, like I'm a good person if I do X, Y, or Z when there's a catastrophe. If that's not coming from joy, that's not the thing to do. That's just shitting on yourself in a new way. It's not just about food. It's also about helping other people. I'm not saying there's anything inherently wrong with doing that. It's just where that person's at and they're not gaining what they really, what the universe can really benefit from, which is really lit up people from within because they're dimming their own life. They're shitting on themselves and they're doing this thing. But even the kids or the people that receive that stuff, they're not necessarily going to feel any better because they can still be telling a story about how the fire ruined their lives. So even if they get the water, they don't, they may not even, it doesn't, uh, like it's like really, it's so hard for the mind that tells all these stories about this kind of stuff to take these stories and look at them from deeper within. Like your inner voice, like, is it okay for me to give to myself? Yes. Is it possible for me to really, truly make people feel any differently? No, they have to do it for themselves. Yes. But will I know when it's time to give in ways that bring me joy? Yes, I'll let you know. Should I ever do things that don't bring me joy if people are hurting? No. Why not? Because you have to do what's right for you. 
but what if other people are hurting and I'm not giving to them when they need it? They'll be okay. Really? If, even if they just had a hurricane or a disaster? They're always okay. How can my mind understand this better? Do what makes you happy. The rest will flow. So I can really focus on my own wellness most. Yes, focus on yourself and your family. And that's not selfish? No. Why not? Because you have to fill yourself up before you can give. And once I've done that, will I have something to share? Once you've done that, all will be well. Hmm. That's beautiful. I love ending on that note. I always hear my inner voice say, all is well, all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. You did a great job, girl. You've got a strong connection and you have a strong innate understanding and ability to ask really great questions, which is going to be the real foundation for everything that's to come because you're just going to keep asking and asking and getting better and better at asking those questions. Yeah, keep practicing. Keep asking. Yeah, and get to fill yourself up and let go of other people's stories and expectations of you and you can let go of everyone else's expectations of them and just be happy. Yeah, exactly. That's all there is. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And there you have it. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you for listening. If you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me at Jess C, as in Cranberry Sauce Lively. And for show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash Sarah with an H O'Brien. And now for where I'm headed to next or what I'm up to. Of course, I'm sticking around Detroit for this holiday season, going to a friend's Thanksgiving since my parents live in Florida and I won't be seeing my family till Christmas. And I'll also just be sticking around and yeah, like trying to get a little bit more furniture and a little bit more organization and stuff flowing into the new condo. I keep wanting to say apartment, but condo here in Detroit. I guess I should call it the loft, if you will. So anyways, if you want to find details and see the snaps around that, you can, again, go find me over on Instagram at Jess C. Lively. And until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today. Today.